This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a stuntman to do their home renovations. Just finished the new sunroom, Mrs. C. The best part is I used candy glass for all the windows, so you can do this. And this. Doesn't hurt a bit either. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. And if you don't want to take the long way to the kitchen, the walls are breakaway too. See? For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. Do you import and export goods in and out of the UK? If so, then look no further for all your logistics and freight forwarding needs than Lila International Logistics, owned and run by West Ham fans. Lila, that's L-I-L-A, International Logistics, provides businesses with affordable import and export rates for sending and receiving products anywhere around the world, whether it be by air freight, sea freight, courier or road freight. Lila provide a bespoke service for shipments so you ain't being passed between departments and you have a direct contact at all times 24-7 for shipments. Check out their website at www.lilalogistics.co.uk for more info. You're listening to the West Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself, Dave Walker, and XWHU employee. The season came to an end on Sunday with West Ham finishing 7th in the Premier League. Is that an achievement or a missed opportunity after Palace beat Man United at Sellers Park? Before we talk about that, we look back on our fantastic trip to America and reveal the final league standings for the West Ham Way Premier League Predictions Competition. X gives us his weekly roundup before we end the show with questions from patrons of the West Ham Way. So much to talk about this week, an incredible week for us personally, and one that also saw the season come to an end at Brighton. Um, let's start with our trip to the US. I mean, where do we start? Probably with our first impressions of LA. What was yours? 
Um, it didn't start too well in the airport, really, did it? I mean, LA airport was not exactly the most efficient. And when you think of, uh, you know, cunt cities around the world, you wouldn't necessarily think that LA would be one where security would be so poor and everything. So it wasn't a great start when we touched down in that respect. Um, and then obviously the, the weather didn't help you again. You associate LA with sunny and it was uh, very cloudy and miserable. But, um, you know, we the first like stint, because obviously we went LA, Vegas, LA, the first stint in LA was really it was was good despite the fact that uh you know the weather wasn't up to i mean we still did some really really amazing things and great experience i mean i wouldn't say i particularly want to live in the places that we experienced but i'm glad that we experienced them (laughs) well we've got to share some of those experiences and feel free to to kind of chip in with this because your memories are hell of a lot better than mine but hopefully the fact it was only last week I've got a a fighting chance of remembering most of it let's hope Uh, so (laughs) (laughs) well obviously from memory the first day when we got to LA we were pretty jet lagged like anyone would be uh, flying from here Um, so it was a relatively chilled one really wasn't it I mean we, we ended up going to Venice Beach having something nice to eat and I mean what we saw in terms of the homelessness out there and the amount of drug addicts walking around is just fucking unbelievable I mean I've never seen anything like it I'd heard it was quite bad but it's just everywhere isn't it X but the, the ironic yeah. thing is we didn't actually even really intend to go to Venice Beach that night, did we? No. Uh, we wanted to go somewhere else. I mean, you were the one in conversation. I don't know if you want to kind of explain that from your perspective. Well, I, I, as always, when we land somewhere and we're sort of, I mean, we, we do a little bit of a, let's have an hour in our rooms together, like not together. Sorry, well, no, that's it. Yeah, exactly. I want an hour record. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, an hour? Well, fucking you'd be lucky, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I got that sentence completely wrong. I mean, if it, people know us better, I mean, we usually, we, we, most people probably edit that out, but just keep it in, mate. So um, yeah. <laughs> basically, we, we have an hour where we're in, in our separate rooms to just kind of chill out freshen up that sort of stuff and in that time i usually have a, a couple of minutes to work out what restaurant we're going to or what bar etc etc so usually it's not the most intensive of researches so i just did a google search something like top bars in la something along those lines and it came out of this bar and i had a quick read of it and looked at the venue and stuff and it looked decent so i was like yeah, yeah that would do i was not know anything about it other than what i saw on the website but it looked decent so so then we ordered a cab to go there uh, a taxi and the taxi turned up and i think you posted did you on on patreon on telegram what, telegram was it yeah the, the actual complete I don't even know what, to, what word to use here, but disaster. I mean, the, the fella, the fella was clearly living in his car. The the front two seats, like the driver's seat and the, the passenger seat, were just literally full of crap. I don't really know how to describe it. Just shit, shit everywhere, like boxes, books, magazines, clothes just everything so there was no way you were ever getting in that passenger seat the little fella himself and if i'm calling someone little you know that they're very little uh, the little fella <laughs> himself um, was a uh, like a complete mess and absolutely stuck and i don't really know what else to say without being too horrible and so i showed him this picture and yes it happened to have a couple of women in in cocktail dresses in it because it's a bar so it, it was nothing normal nothing more than just a, a picture of a couple of women innocently drinking in a bar that was it yeah and yes they happened to be i guess attractive and in cocktail dresses but but nothing more than that and, and so i showed him the picture and he went you want sex and i said straight away and i was like <laughs> and, didn't they? and i was like well 
that's not what we're intending to get when we go out there. We just want to go to a bar. And he was like, no, no, you can't have sex in California. And I was like, mate, I, I, don't, I don't want to have sex. I just want to go to this bar. Oh, thank you. And he was like, you want a strip club? No, I don't want a strip club, mate. I just want to go to this bar here. It's meant to be really, really good. But it's a stripper's bar. No, it's not a stripper's bar. Well, what's those women? They're just two women in a bar. They're not strippers. You, do you want sex? I don't want sex. And by, and by the end of it, I, I don't usually lose my temper very much. You know, out of the two of us, I'm probably the more placid of one, I think it's fair to say. Um, and uh, and by this point, I'd actually lost it with him. And I said, mate, you're really annoying me now. Just, just, just walk away from me. And then he went to the toilet, didn't he, for absolutely ages. He left the keys in the ignition as well. Left the, the keys in the running. ignition. Well, he knew that probably no one would steal it, the complete like heap it was in that car. Um, so, yeah, left the engine running in the car, came back, and he said, you still want sex? And I was like, mate, listen, you're just going to have to leave me alone now because you're really, really, really winding me up. Then he brought his mate over, didn't he? Um, yeah. and, and he tried to, and, and before we got a chance to speak to his mate who was going to take us, he was saying, they want sex. They want to go somewhere to have sex. And we're like, mate, <laughs> mate, what do I have to say here? I don't want to do that. Just listen to me. And uh, yeah, and then, so then we got in this cabin in the end. I said, right, do you know what? I can't even be bothered with this anymore. Let's just go somewhere else. Do you know where Venice Beach is? And then they took us there, didn't they? Because it was just, it, we just couldn't get them to take us to this bar. Yeah, it was the most surreal conversation to witness, honestly. And like you say, we're having this to and fro. Look, we don't want to go to a strip club. We don't have sex with anyone. We just want to go to a bar that we've seen. It looks nicely advertised. It just so happened to have a couple of pictures of some women for marketing purposes. That's all it is. It's just a bar. Yeah. Can you just take us there, mate? We didn't even know where it was, but it's got good reviews, looks nice. Here's the address. Can you take us there? He wasn't having it. The backwards and forwards. Yeah. He was convinced that we just wanted to have sex. I mean, I don't know <laughs> in his mind whether he lives his life like that, and it's the norm. I mean, if he can fucking get some with a car like that, there's hope for any of us. <laughs> but honestly, but when when like the half time came in this conversation and he said, okay, just wait there, I've got to go to the toilet. And he left his engine going back after everything we just discussed. He's coming back, zipping up his flies, like his shirt's half hanging out. And I remember him saying, yeah, you, first thing he said to us on his return, yeah, you listen, you can't buy sex in Cali. I'm like, mate, we don't want to buy, we, just, we want to buy a drink. We don't want to buy sex, we want to buy a drink. It was the, so strange. And the worst thing about it was, we obviously did a, as as people would would hope that we did, we did an open top bus tour. Well, actually, it's not an open top, was it? It was an open side bus tour. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and uh, so uh, it had a roof on, but it had the signs down. Anyway, so we did an open side bus tour of Hollywood and uh, celebrity homes and everything. And we went past that bar, didn't we? Yeah. And I, said, and I yeah. said, mate, that's the bar I was trying to take us too and it was like you know really lively you know good music looked really classy looked a great bar to go to and I was like the fucking idiots if they'd yeah. just done it taken us and we would have had a great night but they wouldn't let us so we had to go to the Venice Beach in the rain which you know it wasn't too bad I mean it wasn't really raining was it but like sort of grey um, mm. it, was, it wasn't bad we had a quick look around Venice Beach but it really wasn't the weather for it and we had a nice meal in a restaurant there but it just showed you what could have been if they weren't convinced we were there to have sex no, oh, they mate, they completely done us out of a night out. It was yeah. ridiculous. I've never had a conversation like that with a cabbie in my life. And no. uh yeah, I mean it was it was a good night, it was a chilled night, but we were both absolutely knackered. So we we like we've said, we went to Venice Beach, um, immediately saw some incredible sights there in terms of uh in terms of what seemed like one in four that you'd walk past is off their head on something. Yeah. And then 
tents all over the place, homelessness. Oh, it's really quite bad. And uh, I almost got attacked by a wolf. Yes, you did, yeah. yeah out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. You did, like, the biggest dog you've ever seen in your life. Scared the shit out of you, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I think it sniffed your hand or something. You're like, oh, you know, what was that? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, that was quite funny. So so then it kind of geared us up for the second day. Because one thing about this trip, it was it was intense. Like X said, we didn't really get any time in our rooms. But the beauty of doing that is we actually did so much. And the second day was fully planned. Again, you know, compliments to the booking manager here. X absolutely smashed it out of the park for the entire time we were there. And uh, the second day started with a ghetto tour. Right? So, <laughs> so this ghetto tour, right? Oh, my God. I mean, I mean, there should have been some red flags, really, because we, we, we went to the meeting place and we see this bus and it's open-sided. So we've got on this bus and we're speaking to a couple of people that are on it and having general chit chat. And all of a sudden we get called off it um, by this fella who goes by the name of Big Mike or AKA Big Homie. (laughs) And this geezer is a lump as well. I mean, he he does look the part and he called us off. I said, what's the matter, mate? He said, no, no. He said, this isn't the one that goes through the ghettos. He said, "Uh, you want the bulletproof bus behind it. (laughs) And straight away, my ass is twitching now. Um, And we climbed into ultimately what was a little mini bus with, I think, four, four other people. I think there was. Yeah. And, uh, and Three, three other people. What it, yeah. Well, no, there was no, because it was the couple and then the Mongolian fella and the... Oh, uh, yeah, no, sorry. Yeah, you're right. I forgot about her. Yeah, you're right. And uh, and so we're, we're now in this, like, full transit with uh, Big Homie, right? There's no way I'm going to sit there <laughs> going through the ghettos calling him Big Homie. So I called him Mike. <laughs> well, like a bit of a knob as it was, to be honest. But, uh, so we called him Mike. But this Mongolia fella, who was on the bus as well, he was right into it, X, wasn't he? I mean, he was yeah. a proper wannabe gangster. He was calling yeah. me big homie and, you know, can I smoke weed in the transit and all that kind of stuff, you know? And he's, he's talking about places to stop off and get memorabilia and will we ever meet any crips on this tour, man? All that. He was loving it, he was. He yeah. was all over it. Um, but, I mean, that was fascinating, fascinating. And Big Mike, to be fair, um, is a certified old school crip like you could tell there was no bullshit about him he like yeah. he's lived his entire life in LA like grew up in Compton grew up in the projects like he'd done 25 years in prison he was a security officer at Death Row Records personal friends with Tupac and Snoop and he, he talked a good game but you bought into it because he was the real deal to be fair wasn't he yeah and uh and it was quite funny because like we're driving around all these areas and he's saying um I mean I've never heard of him before but it's this fella called Nipsey Hustle right uh, and he's he's like um, uh, he was like an underground king. Apparently, never signed a commercial record deal, but still earned a fortune from selling underground records. Basically, very talented fella. He got shot dead, so he, he took us to that place. And he's saying, "Yeah, on this corner, this gang resides there, and you can go down this street and get anything from a, a ten dollar rock to ten kilos. That's where the biggest gang in Los Angeles reside." And it was fascinating. But the longer the tour went on, the sort of naughtier it got, really, didn't it? I mean, yeah. we were stopping off randomly in, like, these ghettos um, to see his mates as part of the tour, where basically I want you to try and spend a bit of money on all this sort of stuff. And one of the things that the Mongolian did was he bought some weed, didn't he? Yeah. And uh, he said to, to Mike, he said, uh, hey, Mike, homie, uh, he said, am I okay to smoke some weed in the transit? And Mike says, y'all okay with that? And like, was like, yeah, we don't care. So uh, the Mongolian fella is at the back and he's skinning up. And uh, 
he's lit this joint. He's passed it round to everyone. I've, I, I, you know, he's, it came to me, and I, I, I had a few drags of it. You know, it wasn't your cup of tea, was it? I don't think you fancied it. And it was but, more so. I didn't fancy passing like smoking the same thing that everyone else had smoked. Like that, you know, yeah. if I'd been given my own one, I might have been a bit more liberal to it. But yeah, but the funny thing was, even though you didn't smoke it, I think. We were all zonked out. And I think you yeah. were zonked out on the fumes because we was all chatting to each other and interacting with Big Mike. Um, but at one point, it just went completely silent. I think we were all fucked, weren't we? We were on a different level during that period. Yeah. And, uh, I just remember, like, we, we went to Compton and uh, and that was actually, to be fair, and he even gave us a heads up on this, weren't a bad area, Compton. No, not really, like, no. It was actually, like, some decent houses and... Uh, you know, could all, all, I mean, if you didn't know it, if you didn't know the reputation, you would have said it was actually probably quite middle class Compton. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that wasn't too bad. Um, and then we saw some film sets. We saw where they, they filmed White Men Can't Jump, Boys in the Hood, Minister Society, which was really good. And then at one point, and I think this was the area's part of the journey, he took us to what's called the Watts Projects. <laughs> and this is basically the biggest shithole in America. Right. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. Now, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't have either. No. It, is, it is where the proper like dregs of the dregs live. And it's it's just you've got drug dealers there. You've got gangs there. Um, old Big Mike reckons there's a murder there weekly. Right? It was it was really well, we saw one, didn't we? We didn't see it live, but we saw the uh, memorial to someone when we were driving through. Yes. Yeah. It's at, well, there was memorials all over the place to people yeah. who had been killed like needlessly. Um, and then at one point it was quite funny because, uh, you know, I think we was all a little bit, oh, fucking hell. Cause Mike knew everyone as well. Like, like everyone knew Mike and thank God he was with us. Cause, cause you imagine me and you driving through oh, the project. The game over within about Mate, 15 minutes. I said to you, it would have been like dropping two goldfish in a piranha tank. Like yeah. we, we wouldn't <laughs> yeah. have got out of there. It's as simple no. as that. But he's got the window down. Big Mike is going, yo, yo, little Chris, how you doing yeah. homie? And all that kind of stuff. And, uh, <laughs> And then at one point, like when it was starting to get a little bit naughty, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure you said something like, "Are we going to be okay, Big Mike?" <laughs> <laughs> Did I? That must have been the drugs, I think. Yeah, yeah I think it. Well, it must uh, have been because that was at a peak of when we was all stoned off our tits as well. Yeah, probably. And, uh, no. I, I think I even that. looked at Mike with anticipation of what he was going to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, but and it, it was like that. But I mean, it ended up lasting for about three and a half hours. Uh, but it was absolutely fascinating. And then, of course, you go from rags to riches because from there, literally from there, half an hour later, we went from that to the Beverly Hills tour, didn't we? Um, which showed all these incredible houses. I don't think there was a house less than nine million pound. And the further up the hill you go, the more expensive it is. That was quite interesting. That wasn't on a bulletproof bus, which uh, made us feel a little bit more easier. But it takes you through the main strip and we see, you know, all the bars and the restaurants and the retail stores. We drove past the Viper Room and Whiskey Go-Go as well, famous places. Um, and then, like you say, we, we found a bar that the taxi driver refused to take us to, and uh, it just looked absolutely pumping in there, which mm. um, which was a shame we missed out and on. No but, sex as well. Yeah, no, exactly. Oh, exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah, no sex in sight whatsoever. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, so that was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And then we went out uh, in LA, didn't we, and, and saw saw it in all of its glory, really. But yeah. uh, I mean, I, I know you'll agree with this, X. I mean, we was out. I suppose we must have been there about ten, eleven o'clock at night. And uh, it's got this underlying feeling in LA that you're never really safe. Yeah, and I don't like, know if it's just because we were like fish out of water, but it, it, it always felt that way. It's just because of the constant 
different types of characters and the drug addicts and all the homeless people there. And I'm not looking down on any of them, but it did have a feel like you always had to look over your shoulder, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, every couple of yards, when we were saying, my gosh, that, what's wrong with that person? And what's wrong with that person? So I mean, the amount of people that are walking along screaming at each other, like, yeah. I mean, screaming at themselves. I mean, not at each other, like, at yeah. themselves, and like, the inner demons and stuff. And it's, uh, yeah, very, very bizarre. That we saw men with snakes around their necks, and that, yes. and that ghost from it, and just yeah. all random stuff all over the place. Yeah, it's a pretty mad place, really. But yeah. the only bad thing about the first two days is like you say there wasn't a bit of sun in the sky um the the first bit of sun we saw was vegas and obviously at this point now we've got the interconnecting flight to vegas and it was just a completely different experience in in the sense that the flight was a dream when i mean it was about 45 minutes long and you know you get to vegas airport and it's like you're in one of their casinos it doesn't even look like an airport it's just brilliant Um, and then we got there. It's really, really hot. Stopped off um, on the way to our hotel to get some booze and that for the room. Um, and then we checked out the venue, didn't we? So we met up with Brawley and Nick uh, and Jason. Big shout to Jason, who was brilliant at a Hard Rock, because obviously the event that we was hosting was going to be the next day. So, um, so yeah, so we went there, checked it out, had a few drinks with the boys and that, and then went back. And then we booked a helicopter ride, didn't we? Yeah. To, to fly over Vegas, which was un- unbelievable. I mean... You know, I don't know if any of you guys listening to this follow me on Instagram. I have put some pictures up of our trip from, from LA and Vegas. But the, the helicopter trip was literally incredible. It was only about 20 minutes long, but you saw everything that you needed to, to see. But at one point, it was, it was a bit touch and go if we were going to see anything next. And you know what I'm going to say? Um, <laughs> yeah. Fucking hell. Right, so there, there's a reason I'm, I'm telling you this, right? I remember... Because right, so I'm I'm six foot four, right, and t- to my knowledge, seventeen and a bit stone, right. Now I, I remember probably a, a big low point in my life was when I went to book horse riding for my family, my wife and two kids, when we was away somewhere in the UK, and uh, I got asked about my weight, and when I arrived, they basically told me they didn't have a horse big enough to take me, right. <laughs> so I got told that they didn't have a beast. That could take me without its legs buckling from underneath it, right? Now that was a low point. Keep that in mind, right? When me and X now go to the desk to check in to go on this helicopter ride, we now have to weigh ourselves in front of them, right? So X steps on, steps off. I step on, step off. Now, apparently, you cannot go on the helicopter if you're over 19 stone, right? That's the rule. So we've both stepped off the, uh, the scales. And uh, I, I don't know if it was me or you. One of us said to her, was it me? What, yeah. what, do, what do we weigh? And again, like the writing was on the wall with her response. She said, do you really want to know? <laughs> <laughs> so at that point, I knew it weren't going to be good news. You got told your weight, which I think was pretty respectable. Yeah, I, t- I took it. You know, 13 and a half stone, I think it was, which you know, I, I would rather be below 13 at least. But uh, you know, considering how much we've been eating in, uh, in America <laughs> and stuff, that I, I took 13 and a half, I was reasonably happy. I was below 14, which was the figure I didn't want to be above. Yeah, and I remember you being quite content with what she told you. Yeah. So then she looks at me and she says, 18 stone six. Right, my jaw hit the ground. I couldn't believe it. Right, and if things couldn't get any worse, when they called the group that was up next for the helicopter ride, our names didn't get called out. So we sort of gave it the benefit of the doubt, and we thought, okay, 
Maybe we'll be on the next one. So the next group gets called. We're not on that. But we was there before any of them. So I've gone back up to the desk. <laughs> I've gone back up to the desk and I've said to her, excuse me, love. I said, um, we've missed the last two call outs and we was here before any of them. I said, you know what's going on? And honest to God, she said to me, yeah, uh, we're just picking the right group for you because because um, of your weight, we're going to have to balance the helicopter. <laughs> I couldn't fucking believe it. Now, you talk about that low point with the horse riding scenario. Now I'm being told that a fucking helicopter is going to struggle to take my weight. I mean, honestly, mate, you couldn't make it up. It's it's like literally, I don't know, I'm getting all sorts of images in my mind now. Like I'm going to have my own fucking documentary on Netflix soon, like the man who ate himself to death, where I, I eventually become like 50 stone. I've got like seven fans on me just to keep me cold and my kids are spoon feeding me whilst I'm playing the odd game of FIFA when I got to the you know? It's fucking unbelievable. The funny thing was as well is that obviously they'd put us on the, the you, there was five other people, like well, three uh, three others with us two and um, they balanced us out, didn't they? Because in the back row, you sat on my side. There was a, another really big bloke the other side and I had to sit in the middle <laughs> yeah. so, and, and my view was shit because I was the balance in between you two. So, <laughs> yeah. I, so I can so I can see him out of either window really because you yeah. had you on my left him on my right and I remember when the helicopter took off honestly it, it appeared in my mind to really struggle to actually get off the ground no it did it did you're right yeah the sort of back end of it was a bit of a struggle wasn't it yeah. um, oh mate honestly I've got I think I've got I've got to do something you know I've got to about this way i can't when someone tells you that a helicopter is going to struggle to take you up in the air that's when you know you're banging trouble on it let's be honest um but that was magnificent i mean we ended up getting on the helicopter and we had the best trip and then we came back and obviously we couldn't have a massively late night because um we had the event the next day and do you know what like given the challenges we had with the run-up to that event and we won't bore you with the details but we did have challenges it was actually a lovely crowd of people, including Chesney Hawks and his family, um, yeah. which was brilliant. Some people from the UK, Mark and his brother, Sandy and her husband, they came over. We had expats. Big shout to John and Malcolm as well. See, I remember, remember to shout out. And then, of course, we had Americans there. It was really good. But I've got to tell you this story, right? Uh, I know he's going to be listening to this as well. Fucking could I have died from embarrassment, honestly. <laughs> Before the event started, I was approached by this patron, right? I'd never met him before in my life. Um, lovely fella. Lovely. We've actually kept in touch since. Um, lot, like he had this long hair, um, quite sort of, uh, quite noticeable to look at. You know, his sort of style stood out, if you like. And he came up to me and, and we're talking about West Ham and the event and we're having general chit chat. And uh, he said to me, where about you staying? So I said, we're in New York, New York. I said, uh, what about you? He said, um, I'm in the park uh, over the road. I said, mate, that's fucking terrible. <laughs> I said, I can't have that. I said, listen, if you want, you can come and sleep on my floor in a hotel room. He said, no, you can't. He said, the MGM park across the road is one of the spankiest <laughs> hotels you can stay in. <laughs> I was so embarrassed, honestly. Um, but uh, we laughed about it after. But yeah, no, a, a, a great lad, great lad. And then after the event, which went really well, we had some really nice messages from ex-players and a good raffle, good auction. We then went back to the hotel very briefly just to throw on some trunks. And then we said that we were going to chill down by the pool. 
in uh, New York, New York. <laughs> and then when we went down there, there was no one in there, was there? And I, we yeah. couldn't understand why there was no one in the pool. It's, it's like scorching hot. And then when we the, the whistle blew and we all got in, and as we got in, um, this woman in sunglasses came over and uh, she said, no, sorry, sorry, guys, you, you can't get in this pool. You can't swim in here. And I was thinking, fuck you, don't tell me I'm too fat to swim now. <laughs> And uh, as it turned out, it was no Chesley beach whales. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I jumped in the pool, jumped out. Yeah, um, uh, but it was Chesney Hawks' wife uh, on a wind up, basically. So we spent a good four hours with Chesney and his family, lovely family, having a drink in the sun and that. And that was really, really enjoyable. And then me and X um, went back up and we agreed that we would meet back downstairs at eight o'clock uh, to go out for the night. Well, I fucking crashed out, didn't I? I I've literally gone to uh, rest my eyes and have a bit of a power nap. And then the next thing you know, um, oh, all I can hear is, dum, 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 open up, LAPD. And I, I shot up out of bed. And I thought, I'm all disorientated. I thought, what the fuck? What the fuck? And then I thought, well, we're not even in LA. <laughs> uh, so I couldn't get my head around it. And then after a few seconds, I realized it was the telly. I'd left the telly on whilst I was asleep. Um, and then I checked the time and it was like quarter to 11. And that's when I got on the phone to you and, I, and, the, and the boys and I said, mate, I've, I've overdone it. I've overslept. And at that point, I come and met you and the lads in the casino, didn't I? Yeah, so I'd been there about three or four hours just having a dinner with uh, Brawley and Nick. And uh, yeah, we were having a beer with uh, Brawley's dad and some of the other fellas. And uh, yeah, you joined us about four or five hours late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was funny because um, when I did meet up with you lads, obviously we had a drink and then... Uh, I got reunited, didn't I, with the plastic horse racing machine? Yeah. Um, which was funny, really, because uh, I can't actually remember what, what happened, whether it was more luck than judgment. But I remember sitting in front of it and, like, you and the boys were crowded around watching because I, I'd said before, like, how, how, how I had it right off. On you, this are, you are the god of that game. So we just well, sort of sat before. around in awe. Yeah. I was before, yes. Yeah, so you sat around in awe and I said, like, this is how you do it, lads. This is how you do it. Like the fucking Rain Man in Vegas now. Like, I, I think I'm the bollocks. <laughs> and then literally the first method that I put onto the first race worked. It came in, didn't it? I won about $100. Yeah. And everyone went, Wah! No, like you, you went up, I wasn't about 180. And that was literally because she clicked the wrong button. Yeah, it was... <laughs> David Lucky Walker strikes again. Two years in a row, you literally clicked the wrong button. You were like, oh, I'll just press the wrong button for fuck's sake. Extra talking to me again. And then, uh, then <laughs> yeah. boom, it comes in. $180. It's <laughs> just ridiculous. I know, I know. But that, at that point, I'd peaked and I should have just took the ticket and cashed it because I, I lost everything from there on. Like I lost absolutely everything. So uh, I didn't make any money on this trip, unfortunately, uh, which was a shame. But that was a good night. I mean, a few people were sort of dropping off here and there and and uh and then yeah I sort of got back in about three or four I think and then uh, and then we had to be up the next day to collect our car from LA airport to drive to Vegas. So you know we said that we wanted to do it and we'd hired a convertible car for the five hour drive. And I've got to be honest I was I was hanging a little bit and as much as I was excited about the journey uh I didn't fancy driving but I'd agree with X fair's fair. You know, and I've reminded you a number of times before the trip to bring your driving license. The one thing you had to do, yes, yes. I'd, I'd take control of everything. Which I did. Which I did. You did. You which did. I did. I'd take um. control of everything. <laughs> the one responsibility, one responsibility you had. There were two actually: turn up on time, which you'd already failed, and, and B, bring your driving license, which you 
So the two things that you had to do, all, all of that. I know, right? So we're at this. I even, I even checked you in for your flights. I did your COVID passes. I checked you in for flights. I booked your hotels. I booked your cabs. Oh yeah, that, that's you. To be fair to you, you organised literally everything. And yeah. credit to you, you, you smashed it out of the park in that respect. Uh, and the latest thing that you organised was to pick up this convertible for the five-hour drive, right? Um, so we've gone to the desk to pick up <laughs> to pick up this car, and she's registering our details, and X has given his driving license, and I've given mine, because whilst I didn't want to drive, fair's fair, I said, Let X, I'll take two and a half hours, you take two and a half hours. So I said, okay, that's fair. Then we can both enjoy the journey as a passenger at some point as well. Fair enough, brilliant, done deal. I give my driving license over, and she gives it back with a bit of a concerned look on her face, and uh, I said, what's the matter? She said, uh, your driving license has expired. I said, what? I've looked at it. It's a fucking year out of date. Right? Now, at this point, X has got steam coming out of his ears. Right? I can see he's fucking raging, right? Because it's dawned on him now that he's got to drive the full five hours. But I can't let him see how secretly happy I am because I'm hanging but this also means that I get to be passenger for five hours. I can sleep. I can sunbathe. I can do whatever I want. So actually, I had a right old touch. I haven't told you this, actually, but since I got home, I found the actual driving license. I don't think I swapped them over. So I do I do drive legally, um, putting it out. So you actually everyone. have one? I, no, I do. Yeah, I do. I don't, I don't know what happened in the crossover of getting the latest one. I, I didn't put that in my wallet. <laughs> I bet you had it with you. Didn't I don't. I promise you. No, mate. I wouldn't have done that to you. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, pre- I swear to God, I didn't have it on, on my life. I- <gasps> <laughs> no, I, I didn't. Honestly, it was a genuine, genuine mistake. I wouldn't have done that to you. But it did mean that you had to drive the full five hours, right? So, to your credit, to your credit you did sweep that under the carpet pretty quickly. I thought I was going to get it in the fucking ear for the full five hours. Right. And I was thinking, oh. I said that to her as well. So I'm not going to be at the end of this. Um, but to your credit, you did sweep it under the carpet and we moved on. Um, but this is where maybe karma got me back. Yeah, right. Fuck. Because we've got this convertible. <laughs> and got I this- even tried to help you with this as well. You would <laughs> And even oh, this voice. Well, the best way I can describe it, right, is I was basically a typical Brit abroad, right? Now, you remember, we haven't had much sun at home. We didn't even get sun in LA for the first two days. But the Vegas sun is just relentless. And I love the sun. It can't be too hot for me, or so I thought, anyway. We're in this convertible, and 10 minutes into the journey, we are loving life, right? We're banging out the tunes. We're singing. We're dancing in our seats. An hour into the journey, I am fucking banging trouble. Like, literally, my head is frying. And I remember thinking, I don't, I don't feel too good, you know. And we've got four hours left of this, by the way. And I, I caught a glimpse of myself in, the, in the, um, the wind mirror. And I noticed my lips were white. And I thought, that's not normal, surely. So then I got the close-up mirror from the, the drop-down in front of me on top of the car. And my, my head's starting to blister. And I'm thinking, oh my God, like this is fucking, this is serious, this, because this is, this is, this is desert sun. I'm cracking eggs on your head for my it's, breakfast. Exactly. You could have, you could have cooked an egg on my head. Honestly, <laughs> it was that hot. And you've then noticed how red I'm looking. I'm, I'm literally morphing into a tomato, right? And I said, <laughs> mate, I'm in a bit of trouble here. But we need to, and eventually what happened was, even though I think to a degree the damage was done, we eventually pulled up at a, a world famous diner called Peggy Sue's. 
And we popped in there for a milkshake, as you do. And uh, I took that opportunity to get the cap out of my bag and then, like, literally douse myself in as much sun cream X had. Um, <laughs> and I think that saved me more potential, like, life scarring. Um, <laughs> but the damage to a degree was done. I remember waking up the next morning in the hotel in L.A., I've gone to sort of scratch my head and it's just full of bumps and, and scabs and blisters. It was <laughs> honestly, mate, it was bad. It was really bad. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I say, uh, you, you really took those roads well as well. Cause especially when you got to LA, it's quite difficult to navigate right oh, now. It's horrendous. I mean, you know, I've driven in, I've driven abroad, you know, numerous times, but I would say that LA is the hor- most horrendous place to drive in, particularly when you're coming into LA because they're not going to stand an English motorway. You probably have, what, three, maximum of four lanes. There's about 10 in LA in going in one direction and the cars just don't seem to stick to, right? That's the fast lane, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. They're just like swerving in and out of each other. And what makes it worse is the road markings. You can't even see them so it's literally like one just like big track of cars going in the same direction and the, and our sat nav was not exactly great because we had a green line for navigation yet all the roads were green so it was really unclear to see and we got towards the end in la we got a little bit lost and went for a, a few uh ghettos uh thankfully we only stayed in them for a little bit of time but uh got out of there quite quickly but yeah the drive the last i loved the drive i actually really enjoyed it looking back i'm quite glad you didn't have your life license in some ways because it was fun <laughs> to drive that car but that mm. bit in la was was horrific that just those mm. lanes and i was, oh yeah i didn't enjoy the last half hour or so yeah and we were saying you know knowing our luck you know we'd get detoured and, and end up in the fucking watts project in a fucking white bm convertible yeah you actually imagine that scenario yeah. mike big mike he's not with friends with big mike um yeah but no it actually went okay and uh yeah the, the, <laughs> once i literally stopped frying alive um uh, i could enjoy parts of it but uh we eventually got to to la and, and we were just knackered because like i said it'd been such an intense week brilliant amazing we'd done so much but it was so intense and uh and we were just knackered. So we had a relatively early night um, for the last night, if you like. But, you know, the, the, talk about going out on a high. Um, I don't know if we can say this. Can we say about uh, who the patron is? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah we can. Because yes. he's hopefully going to use the video. He yeah, so yeah. And, and from his own words, he listens every week. But James Calden, he's a, a patron of ours. And... Um, through him and James Longman, who's a lovely fella as well. He's the executive producer on The Late Late Show, and he was a podcaster over here, actually. Big West Ham fan, as is James. They invited us to the show. And um, I've done a lot of talking, Nick, so I think I'll pass this to you now to kind of recount your experience of it, because it was a cracking day, wasn't it? Oh, it's just amazing, yeah. So we turned up at a studio, uh, not really knowing what to expect because it's not something neither of us had done much before. I um, mm. didn't know whether we'd get to see James Corner, whether he'd just be on the on the stage or whatever, and we didn't really know what to expect. So we turned up, we were just lining up with everyone else, and then eventually, after a while, some person came up to us and said, "Can I see the details of your ticket?" So we showed them the ticket, and they said, "Oh, oh, you're you're a Gold Pass member. You come straight out of there." And they took us like right out of this queue. Uh, out of everyone walked us past the security took us in and we had a gold wristband (coughs) and so we sat there waiting to go in 
And then eventually we got let in. And as we're walking in, James Longman spots us, comes and has a little chat with us, which is really nice to see him um, and have a chat with him and stuff. He walks us into our seat and we are literally in the front row, the front row of the James Corden show, literally as in like, what, five metres from him pretty much where his chair was. Mm. And um, and it's just, uh, we were right there. We are like, wow, this is incredible. And as soon as James Corden came in to start the show, I could tell he'd clocked us because he kind of did a little smile and a, a little crossed irons and stuff, I think. And uh, <clears throat> he just carried on and sort of started the show as, as, as he normally would. But then when it went to the break, he came he came over and talked to us, didn't he? Which was really nice. He like smoked mm. us for a bit, blah blah blah. Just before the guests had really been on, then the guests came on, so we had to go back. And then randomly during the break part of the show, he said it would take questions from the from the audience. There was like, you know, that they wouldn't it wouldn't be live, but he'd take questions from the audience. And um, some bloke in the audience goes, Hi, I'm a West Ham fan. Who do you think we should sign in the summer? And then in front of everyone, he goes, Well, don't ask me. We we might have some famous guests in the studio tonight. We might have um, myself. There might be other people in here that you think are famous. But I'll tell you what, there ain't no one bigger than David X on the West Ham Way podcast. And they sat, and they're, and they're, <laughs> exactly. And they're sat right there at the front. And everyone doesn't really know what to do, do they? And so he says, let's get their opinion. And so the microphone comes to you. And like, oh, you decide to hell. bring out some fucking like, novel of an answer. Like, yeah. so start, starting with, I think we should sign a forward, and then by the end of it, naming midfielders. But it kind of got on for about. Well, that. at that point as well, James said we've only got an hour though. Yes, and, yeah. But you missed a bit. You missed a bit from that as well because when when he said that about us, um, obviously no one in the audience knew who he was. But we got like a rapturous round of applause as well, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, so we now we're having sort of... to address the audience. We're waving to them and clapping <laughs> yeah. them back, and it's the most surreal moment of my life. I think. Oh, it was really, really odd. And then, and then, uh, yeah. So then I got about two seconds for my answer. And by that point, I don't think anyone was interested because of your 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 rousing <laughs> speech and stuff. <laughs> I know, I know. And then, and then uh, especially as like the uh, probably the only two people in that room, but apart from ourselves that would have understood anything you were talking about is the guy that asked the question and James Corden and he yeah. gave a proper analysis of who we yeah. should sign and yeah. then uh, yeah so then they came off us and he cracked on with the show and the guests came on and they were they were you know laugh and stuff and then straight after James Longman comes up to us and says do you want a photo on the set so we have a photo taken with you as the host and me as the guest and vice versa which was a, we, we got to do and no one else did and then James Corden comes up to us and says, come with me, lads. Takes us around the back. We go into the into the green, I guess, effectively known as the green room. And we stay there for, what, half hour, an hour maybe, talking to him mm. about West Ham. And it was just yeah. brilliant. And then, then we walked out with him. He got us a couple of bits of memorabilia. Uh, and then we were talking to him outside. You got a really funny video done for your family. And then yeah. he came up with a really, really good idea for what we should do to extend our Patreon offering. Now, we can't say exactly what that is at this point because we haven't really hatched any sort of plan with it but we both agree that it's a really good idea and hopefully within the next week or two it will start to happen but he gave us an idea Definitely. we both agree with it i think it's a really good idea incidentally i need to speak to you off air about that dave because i've already had a number of people talk to me about wanting us to do similar so it fits perfectly um and uh yeah and it was just brilliant and we came out of there and we were just like, oh my word, what a surreal experience that was. You know, we were like treated as if we were like guests on the show. And then, uh, yeah, and then obviously we went home from, from then onwards. But uh, yeah, just crazy, crazy stuff. 
It was, mate, honestly. And, um, you know, to James Corden and James Longman, thanks for looking after us, really. Oh, yeah. like, Great hospitality. It was just, just brilliant, brilliant hospitality, brilliant experience. And, uh, it and was lovely fellas as well. I mean, it's yeah. fair, what we have to say, like, you know, when you look at celebrities and stuff, particularly of the magnitude of James Corden, you know, he's known all over the UK and, and the US of A now and most places, you know, he was so, so humble and so normal. You know, it was just like talking to a... A West Ham fan, which he is, you know, there's no airs or graces about him, there's no, nothing to be intimidated by. He's just a normal fellow that supports West Ham, well, massive West Ham fan, bloke, by the way. Top, like, like, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's massive. more ITK I mean, than stuff. I am. Oh my gosh, yeah, I mean, honestly, he, if I, I'd like to think I know a lot about West Ham, but he knows more than I do because he talks to so many people, and uh, yeah, no, just a top, top fella, top fella, really nice yeah. guy, yeah, and, it was. and James Longman is as well, yeah, but it was, it was a cherry on the cake, really, it was uh, such a fantastic week and like I've said to you off air as well and I'll say it on air no kudos to you mate that, that's why you're the bookings manager you're the best in the business um, firstly because you're so I'm good at it and, no. and secondly I don't have to do it so yeah, you're so shit at it <laughs> <laughs> actually God. I'd actually like to know what would happen if I just had uh, all responsibility to oh, you I think I'd end up in Canvey Island I think <laughs> yeah exactly um, I actually but, um, to think but no it was it was great and um, and, the, and the thing is as well like um, all the people we met at the events as well were top fellas Chesley Hawks and top ladies as well sorry Chesley Hawks was a top fella um, you know his family were lovely you know we've met some great people we've big Mike big homeboy you know he was a, <laughs> was a, a top man as kept well, us you know, alive for the second did, day of our yeah, trip he did he did he did so there were so many great people out there and it was such a great experience and we are very very lucky and grateful to be able to to do that yeah well said mate spot on we really are and it was a phenomenal week it really really was um, not that I really want to, but I suppose we should touch on the Brighton game. Um, I think we both agreed actually prior to the game that it was a bigger challenge for us to beat Brighton than it was for Crystal Palace to beat Man United. I think we both agreed that we thought Man United would lose at Palace, but it was always going to be tough against Brighton. Now, obviously Palace done their bit, but we didn't do ours. I mean, how do you feel about it? Because really and truly it's a missed opportunity to have nicked sick on the last day, isn't it? Yeah, really, really disappointed, really, when you look at it, because, you know, finishing sixth, getting in the Europa League would have been another amazing achievement, following on from the semi-finals and so on, and, and obviously the Europa League is the bigger tournament, and to finish above Manchester United is an achievement in itself, and, you know, it's it's really frustrating because... You know, first of all, you know, little obviously you get these every season, but little things that have changed the course of the season. Imagine if Mark Noble had scored that penalty against Manchester United um, in that game, it would have been a whole mm. different, um, mm. different uh, scenario anyway. But the the thing with that Brighton game is that we didn't play that well. In the first half, you know, I think Brighton started on top of us, but we got into it and, um, you know, we went 1-0 up. And um, we were 1-0 up at half-time and everything was looking like Man United were losing, we were winning 1-0. This was our chance to really, really get six buttons. And it would have finished with a much more positive ending. You know, Mark Noble's last game, finished the season with a win, finished sixth, beat our bogey team. And I just don't know what happened in the second half. The players just almost seemed to switch off and Brighton were the better team and they outplayed us and got the goals that they did. And now we are sitting seventh, which at the end of the day is not a disaster. It's still a good achievement. We've still got Europe. I just think it was a missed opportunity and it's a shame that we couldn't just give 45 more minutes of good football to sort of secure the sixth place. Yeah, I mean, look, there's absolutely no denying 
that it was an opportunity missed. No denying, because that's the black and white of it. You win the game, you're in the Europa League again. I've given this some fault, and I think there's a few things I'd say on this. Number one, I think Brighton are a good side. They are, 100%. The manager's very good as well. Graham Potter's got them playing well. There's a philosophy there. They're well-disciplined. You know, for a a while, there was a lot in place at Brighton, but they lacked goals. He seems to have fixed that problem now. So Brighton, home or away, is always going to be a tough game. So it's not as if we've we've gone away and lost to Norwich. We've we've lost to a decent side there. They're also our bogey team. A fucking nightmare for West Ham Brighton. Um, But you know what? I think... If seventh wouldn't have got you into Europe, I think I'd be stewing on it a bit. But from a fan's perspective, you know, the the biggest highlight for me was the European tour that we had, the travels that we had in the knockout stages. And to think that we're going to be doing that again next season, albeit in the Conference League, I'll take it. I'll take it, you know. And I I just think, and look, yes, I'm trying to put a positive spin on it, but it's how I really feel. Missed opportunity, yes. But let's put things into perspective. I think... We've got to remember to enjoy this at the moment with West Ham. You know, we've got to apply a little bit of patience and think let's do even better next season on the basis that we must add quality to bolster this squad. We must do that. It's a massive summer for us. But I I really do think that, you know, to to go on travels again around Europe and we might end up in some obscure places. And, you know, I think sometimes with success, which really has kind of... (laughs) When you look at the last two years in comparison to the third year going back, it's it's literally just been a, a catapult into a successful period for West Ham in the Cups, in Europe, uh, in the Premier League. And I think it's easy, the more success you get, to automatically raise your expectation levels. And I think sometimes you just have to take a bit of a step back, a bit of a breather, and remind yourself that what a fun journey and a fun time this is as a West Ham fan. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think I think you're right in what you've said there, definitely. Is you know, take at the end of the day, finishing seventh with a semi-final of the Europa League. I think probably the majority of fans <clears throat> would have taken that at the start of the season, definitely. But I think it's just the fact that it was a missed opportunity, you know, we had we were that close and we couldn't take it. And I do believe, and I know people get fed up with harping on about this, but had we brought in just a couple of players in January, just to spice it up a little bit, we would have been securely in sixth place. It wouldn't have even or, or a minimum, it wouldn't have even have been coming down to the last game. And I just think it is that stuff. That's my underlying thing. It was a missed opportunity. We didn't push it as hard as we could have to get a Champions League spot, both in the league and obviously, unfortunately, in the Europa League, we came short as well. And then we've obviously not managed to get sick at the end of the day. I'm not saying I'm disappointed as a West Ham fan. I'm not. I'm grateful. We've still got Europe, Europe again. You know, compared to a lot of the years I've supported West Ham, I've been going 30-odd years now. Obviously, this season will rank up there with one of the very best in that time. So I'm not Mr. Negative. I just think it's a little bit... It's a shame. As uh, as one of the people we met um, in uh, Vegas said, it's a shame that we didn't just quite push on and secure what would have been an unbelievable season. I, listen, I remember saying in January when the books had closed and we couldn't sign anyone, I remember saying on this show the very words, by not signing anyone, this is going to be the difference between us achieving something really special this season and not. And you talk about missed opportunities. For me, the biggest missed opportunity that I still haven't got over is Frankfurt. I don't think we turned up for either leg. 
And I think no. that was a missed opportunity because we're a better side than them and we're a better side than Rangers and we should be the European champions now. That, for me, was the biggest missed opportunity. Brighton away, like I say, a tough game. Tough, tough game, that. Um, but I can kind of... I can put a bit of a positive spin on it. Uh, but I can understand people that are frustrated. I can, but at the end of the day, it's just been such a memorable season. And I think... When you look at the players we've got and the players that we could potentially bring in, I think the way that I'm trying to condition my brain now is to look at it like, yes, it was missed opportunity this season, but we have got the foundations to maybe achieve something special next season. So it's an exciting time, which could become even more exciting. And I hope it's not a two-season wonder in terms of how well we've done. I hope this is the platform now to really kick on and do something fantastic next season. So I'm I'm actually excited and dare I say, dare I say, quite optimistic about next season. Well, that's all going to depend on who we sign. Oh, 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 mate, it, it hinges on it. It hinges yeah, you on can't it. say now whether the season's going to be a good one until we know who we're going to sign. I mean, well, I'll still no, be covering I, that in my section. No, but... no, but I'm saying that believing, and again, probably naively, believing that we will make some good signings. If we don't, if we don't, then that optimism just dies on its ass. So, yeah, it's obviously based on keeping our best players, keeping David Moyes, and adding real quality and depth to the squad. Because I would be, I, I, listen, I, you could say nothing amazes me as a West Ham fan. I would be amazed if we don't do that, because it's so obvious we need to do it. And I think it's so obvious that the reason we didn't mount more of a challenge for the Champions League, go further in the League Cup than we did, because we made the quarterfinal. Look how many players were missing against Tottenham. We didn't have players to replace them. So that's why we got knocked out of that competition. You know, there's been times in the Premier League where players have been blowing out of their arse. Would it have been different if we had a, another striker to come on and mix it up against Frankfurt, for example? So it's so blaringly obvious that we need to make additions to this squad that I can't for one second comprehend the fact that we won't. So assuming we do, and we do keep our best players, then I think there's everything to be excited about for next season. Mm-hmm. But then maybe it's a big if. I don't know. Yeah. Hope not. Hope not. Right. Now, um, moving on to something quite serious, if I can have everyone's attention for a minute. Whilst we were in Vegas after the Brighton game, it was officially confirmed that I had beaten X for a third consecutive season in the West Ham Way Premier League Predictions competition. Now, understandably, it's a defeat that he hasn't taken very well. Uh, He's well aware that this now means it's going to take him four years to get a lead over me in this competition, assuming he beats me for the next four seasons, by the way, which obviously isn't going to happen. Um, Despite X leading for the majority of the season, a season which he claimed would be more predictable now, fans are back in the stadium. No, eventually. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. did. I did. Like COVID still (laughs) affected things. Arsenal (laughs) Arsenal cancelled games. Well, well, you eventually succumbed to the skill and knowledge of the better player in myself, uh, which has hit him hard. So please, I'm asking everyone, as a favour to me, can you just respect his privacy during this grieving period? (laughs) Um, X, listen, before we give you that much needed time to lick your wounds, it only seems right that we give you the opportunity to say a, a few words, if that's what you want. Okay. Firstly, I'd like to say, I mean, I finished like, what, 30th in the game, so it was a good season. Let's not forget that. But what I am competing against is not just your average human here. I am competing against Thanks, Dave. Mate. 
Dave Lucky Walker, the man that walks into a, a, a casino in Vegas, presses the wrong button, doesn't even watch the screen, runs, wins $180 on a horse race. You think that'd be a one-off? No. The year before, randomly talking to me, oh, wait, she made me press the wrong button now. I put it all on Red 30. Red 30 comes in. It's a divine force that I'm trying to fight against here. Something that is not... Uh, not it's not humanly possible to be. So you know? why didn't why didn't that luck apply to the fantasy football um, competition that I didn't want to compete in then? Because it's like if I'm that naturally because lucky. the good thing about you is that you you know what you're lucky in. So the fancy football, you <laughs> the knew you were you, you knew you weren't you weren't able to compete or get any <laughs> luck. So lo and behold, we're not allowed to play fancy football. Did we ever talk about it? No. Was it ever played again? No. Because Dave can't win at it, so we don't play it. And then in fact, <laughs> and then the predictions league, when I was winning for the majority of the season, was it mentioned on this show? No. Didn't even come up. Never <laughs> spoke about. Until no, until he starts to win, and then oh, all of a sudden it becomes a weekly feature. So at the oh, end of the day, at the end of the day, if that if that's if that is what I'm, I would compete against, then then I can't do any better. Dave has won. Yes, he's won three times in a row. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, there's nothing I can do about it. Unfortunately, this is what I, I'm competing against something that is beyond the realms of normality. <laughs> Well done, well done, you won. I'm glad you took it so sportingly and haven't showed off about it. Um, so congratulations. I look forward to the Open Top Bus Tour and the money um, being spent that you've won and, and a trophy that you've now got. Right, see, I, I didn't know when I asked you to say a few words which way this would go. I, I thought that you would either blame it on luck, which yeah. is is incredible really when you're talking about three seasons and close Another to 100, over 120 games worth of competition you're putting it down to luck last minute goals swings and roundabouts you know that as much as i do i've lost points from last minute goals really? or then i thought then i thought a couple of weeks ago he did say that he was going to be a, a good sportsman about this so i have maybe, been a good sport i congratulate you maybe maybe he's going to give credit where credit's due here so i think you've kind of floated in between the two options really haven't you you haven't really been that much of a good sportsman because you've blamed it all on luck but then you did say well done so i don't really know where i stand with look you, at the end of the day I, I think you are very lucky i'm not gonna and that's not just in predictions league that's in life you know, like, you know, you make your own luck in this world, Sam. The, the fact you had two things to do for Vegas, which was bring your driving <laughs> license and turn up on time, and you failed to do both. Yet, somehow, somehow, I had an amazing holiday and uh, are still as popular as ever. Um, and, and then, and, he, and, and like, charismatic, charming Dave. Um, and then, uh, and, and then the, the, the casinos, the, the, there's just too many examples to say you're not lucky. So I do believe that you are lucky. However, <coughs> at the end of the day, you finished. Where did you finish in the game overall? 10th or something? 14th? No, 16th. 16th, right. So you've beaten 500 players or whatever it is, and you finished 16th in the game. You know, 
that that is impressive. That's an impressive place to finish. I think, as I said to you on the last week's show, the real winner in all of this is the West Ham way. Because whilst you did beat me, I finished something like 30th or something, and you finished 16th. So both of us collectively have finished above the majority of people that have played this game and people listen to this football show, hopefully to listen to football knowledge and we've proven that we both have it. So the real winners are the West Ham way overall. So well done. I think that's a fantastic way of looking at it, mate. And I admire your sort of positive spin on this. And I'd love to say, do you know what, X, you're absolutely right. The West Ham way are the winners. Trouble is, mate, it's ultimately two competitions. One between everyone and the other one between me and you. So I'd love to give it to you, mate. I don't think you can have that. Right, well, anyway, thank God that's over for the season now. <laughs> so we don't have to talk about that in the summer. God knows how many patrons we've lost as a result of you winning this league because that's all we ever talk about. Um, so, so, yeah, well done. Financially ruining us, but at least you won the predictions league. Well, that, well, that is the most important thing, let's be of honest. Course, of um, course. Um, well, X has been flooded with messages of support since Sunday. Thank you for that. Including this one from our very own Martin Allen. It just goes to show and prove that what I've been saying all year of sex, he is a loser. Yet again, the score predictions for the Premier League for the whole season. Loser, Dave the Rave. Wins again. Sex is a loser. <laughs> Poor guy. Oh, for fuck's sake. Well done, mate. Well done, Martin. I bet you two are loving hatching that little thing together <laughs> off air. <laughs> but literally, I can't imagine how many cheeky schoolboy giggles you two had for putting that together. <laughs> Honestly, I'd just be all I would say to both of you is just be very careful. Very careful how far you push this. <laughs> oh, he's starting to threaten people now. Look, he's lost his head big time. He can't fucking live with it. Oh, my, that's so funny. Well, no. Now let's have a look at the final league standings for the West Ham Way Premier League Predictions competition. I finished the season in 16th place with 3,986 points and X plummeted to 32nd place. I don't think I plummeted. I I was always in that position. It's just that you went above it. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take that out. I'll change it. X significantly dropped to 32nd place <laughs> with a total. <laughs> I was always there. You finished in 32nd place with a total of 3,826 points, leaving a final points difference between the two of us of 160. But as for the top five, Nigel DeZuman uh, finished in fifth with 4,246 points. Gary Prince finished fourth with 4,301 points. Uh, Chris Stone finished third with 4,311 points. The runner-up in second place is Jay Saywood-Jones with 4,444 points, all the fours. And the winner of this season's competition with a whopping 4,798 points is Tom Add. Now, Tom, if you're listening, uh, I think we've done this for the last two seasons. Can you get in touch with us, mate? Because we would like to get you on the show 
to to find out what your secrets are because quite honestly it's been astonishing when you look at the amount of points you've won this competition by so get in touch mate we'd love to have you on but congratulations to all the lads next week we'll tell you what prizes you have won so thanks to everyone that played this year it's been really good fun unless you're ex and uh we uh we hope you'll play again next season okay it's that time of year when ex's section gets that little bit more interesting let's have a look at what he's got to say this week Bundling home and car insurance with GEICO is so easy, your neighbors are probably already doing it. But who? They may drop little hints like... Beautiful day out. Even more beautiful since we saved by bundling our home and car insurance with GEICO. Or... Yard work is hard. Much harder than bundling with GEICO, which was easy. Or it may be even subtler, like... Speaking of burgers, we bundled our home and car insurance with GEICO and saved a bunch of money. Bundling is easy with GEICO. Just ask your neighbors. It's Macy's Labor Day sale, so gear up as summer cools down with 30% off timeless looks from Levi's and specials like 30 to 50% off statement-making shoes for her and 60% off luggage from Samsonite and more. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and get an extra 20% off more great deals. Plus, Star Rewards members can earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Going on now. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.